You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to a live episode of the Cast, a Manchester United podcast in which weekly myself and Mike go through the biggest stories concerning the club. We're going to start with a recap on the weekend win over Spurs, 3-1 win, in which Manchester United basically cemented their place in the top four and looked to get a hold on, on second place. But, um, but typical of Mourinho, the, the talking points after the match weren't about the game weren't about the fact that Spurs didn't show up at home, couldn't handle Manchester United. In, in the first half, United didn't play that well, but they really grew into it in the second half. But after the match, Mourinho, or Mourinho was reflecting on some comments made by Solskjaer, in which he said that if, if Son was his own son, that he wouldn't feed him if he acted in such a way of going down on the ground and needing eight to ten teammates to pick him up. It was a joke, um, but Mourinho wanted to kind of change the story a little bit and kind of turn it down the route of child abuse for not feeding your son well look we're we're happy to confirm that son's our soldier son has spoke out noah he said i had a good laugh i can promise you that i always get food he always gets fed okay um i can promise you that i always get food guess Mourinho just wanted to focus away from losing the game i came to training today and was asked if i if i had got food today so mike you kind of said this over the weekend. I was angry about Mourinho's comments, but you kind of made the point that, look, he's trying to kind of take away from the fact that they they got a lesson, they were beaten, um, and Mourinho is, is yesterday's man. Yeah, it's not worth getting worked up about his this nonsense of him. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, welcome to the club day. I'm glad you finally joined the right side in realising that Mourinho is a poisonous human being who, frankly, has not been much good as a manager or has been vastly overrated and overestimated as a manager over the last 10 years. His first decade in management and his second decade in management, um, the difference in those is, is night and day, really. All stemming from, I would say, two things. I think I may have mentioned this last week. Number one, him not getting the Barcelona job back in 2008 and then him not getting the United job when Ferguson retired in, I want to say, 2014, 2013. 
feels feels like a lifetime ago now. Um, and the um, and you see, he's just got his performance as a manager has just gradually got worse and worse. I also think he, he didn't do very good at Real Madrid when you look at the eye-watering amount of money that was spent on the squad for him um, in the year before he arrived, and then and then after he arrived, you know, pretty much got everything that he wanted, and then still went and alienated everybody at the club. And yeah, this is um, he's trying to distract from his own failures. That's that's all he's trying to do. This is Solskjaer's comments were odd. <laughs> it was a very odd thing to say, and I think part of that is no matter how good a foreign, you know, a, a person from abroad coming and living in England, no matter how good your English is, it's still your secondary language. So there'd be certain, sometimes you are going to struggle in the heat of the moment, I think, to articulate how you feel. And Solskjaer's English is excellent, but it's still not his first language. And you have to remember, before he came to United, he'd been living in Norway, back in Norway for how many years now? Yeah, it was a good few years. And he, he said recently, he said in a Soccer AM interview last week, um, he's speaking about his kids who've all grew up, basically grown up in, in Manchester, really. Um, but they still kind of take the piss out of his kind of Norwegian slang or his Norwegian take on certain words. He's never going exactly. to lose that. Exactly. And he's he's from, it's not even like he's from, he's not even from Oslo. He's from a bit further north in Norway. So um, I think there's the, there was a little bit of, of just him struggling to articulate himself in English after the game. But really, I think that probably that, what he said probably wouldn't have been largely forgotten about within 12 hours of the game finishing because United's performance was excellent. But instead, Mourinho tried to just deflect away from... I'm not even going to... I don't even want to repeat what he said because it's just a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. But he's distracted from the fact that he's failing at Tottenham. He's lost his dressing room. If you want a microcosm of what what he's done at Spurs, we look at Son, Hummeng Son, in Mm -hmm. that game. Now... Obviously, the the sim, sim, simulation itself by a player is not particularly extraordinary. Rashford did did the same uh, thing, yeah, yeah. But it was so blatant and so cynical, and then it, the fact that it was rewarded, even after the referee had had a good long look at it, it was what made that more extraordinary. And I don't know if you saw Son's post match interview. This is enthusiastic, no. positive, great work ethic. He looked like a broken man. And I'm like, that's what what has Mourinho done to him? That he's just he's broken this guy. And um, seeing seeing that little photo after the game, you have got like Solskjaer, the Shaw here. They're like clasping, like big, you know, really enthusiastic. And then Mourinho with a sour look on his face, and Shaw just had this little smirk on his face. <laughs> no, no, yeah. seeing, seeing, seeing who's on the rise now, eh? The, the post-match photography was second to none. There was a number of pictures that did the rounds that I really enjoyed. And yeah. like, In fairness, and we have to give him credit for this, um, I, I get up the, the tweet later on, but ESPN shared a tweet last night of, of Solskjaer's record against some top managers, record against Guardiola is really good, you know, a record against loads of top managers. Mourinho falls into that bracket too for his for his work in his first uh, decade. I think I, f- I think a lot of managers at a high level have got a good record against Mourinho these Mourinho. days. No, absolutely, but, yeah, it's easy. I think it, easy. I think it was valuable for us to get that that win, and not just to win the performance. Because I thought really the story here is the last hour of the game. Even though pretty much from the disallowed goal, I thought that was the most complete performance United had put out this season. They didn't have to rely on Fernandez. They didn't have to rely on the counter attack. United just slowly, methodically, was just turning the screw, keeping possession, recycling the ball. 
within eyesight of Spurs' box. And in the end, it, a United win was inevitable. It was inevitable. Mm. As soon as that equaliser went in, I just felt United are going to go on and win this game now. It's just a matter of time and how many goals that they win this game by. And, you know, Spurs had the odd chance in the second half. They forced a decent stop from Henderson. You were thought his positional play was very good. And I also thought his distribution was very good in that game, Henderson. And they had, there was that little point where I think we nearly scored an own goal where we hit the post or something, um, mm. trying, to, trying to clear away a, a set piece. But Spurs never, never looked like winning that game. I mean, even when they scored... Didn't do anything, Dale. Spurs. No. They there were some nice little passages of little passing and moving, but they never they never looked that was the only time they ever really looked like they were gonna threaten United. The thing is as well, Mike, and just you talk about what has Mourinho done to Son or what has he done to the Tottenham. I remember playing Tottenham two or three years ago when Mourinho was now the manager and Pochettino was in the, the Tottenham dugout. And although it was only Tottenham, it was only ever Tottenham. Very, very different to playing them now. I fancy ourselves against them every time. I know we lost six one at the beginning of the season. That was a uh, that that won't happen again. That won't happen again because the players would have learned after that that that's just not acceptable. They went. Well, I think they've finally gotten over that. I think Solskjaer's finally gotten over that result yeah. as well. But the wins against City and then Tot- and then Tottenham, you could see in those two games suddenly everyone's realised, oh, you know what, when we go and apply pressure on these teams and be more proactive, we could, we'll could, we we'll beat these teams. You know, and we mm. should be beating Tottenham. We're a better team than Tottenham. No question mm. in my mind. And Yeah, just we played some really, really lovely football in that game. And that, that VAR decision really annoyed me because that was a great goal. Really, really good team move. I thought the movement from Cavani to finish that off after some lovely passing, a great little weighted pass by Popper in the penalty area, and it should have been a goal. I think honestly, if we'd have scored, if that goal had been allowed, I think United would have gone on one four or five nil. I mean, mm. I think it would have been that comprehensive. All three goals, you'd have to say, were well worked, really good goals. But just back to that disallowed goal, so I wanted to touch a little bit on that and a little bit more on it. But my take on that was the initial bit of contact comes from Son, okay, and he puts his hand. If you watch it again, he puts his hand in and around McTominay's chest area. Now, if anyone of any level has played football, okay, same thing when you're jumping up in the air to win a header. You have to use your arms. When you're running, try running without your arms. Very difficult. Okay, Very difficult. So he had to push especially, them away. Especially when you're trying to shrug off someone who's yeah. grabbing hold of you. Someone actually you. committed a foul. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the, the foul in, initiated with Son, and that was my biggest problem. Yeah, so Mike... This was also kind of, we kind of mentioned the win against a, a big team or a top six team because it's been, we've been told all season that United can't do that. Our record hasn't been good enough. But I do think that 6-1 against Spurs at the earlier stage of the season is what caused, was the reason for caution. Um, Solskjaer did never wanted that to happen again. He didn't want to hammer in like that in a big game. But I guess now we're a few months down the line. Hasn't been that much of a long time. We're starting to see our players a bit more believe. Gary Neville said it in commentary at the weekend that we have to talk about Paul Pogba. Because Paul Pogba lately is playing like a player who wants to be at Manchester United. We see these transfer rumours and they've never gone away. The big difference now is it looks like he wants to stay. Or is that just me? Because he wasn't playing like this when when his agent was speaking out about his future or in the past few years. It looks like Solskjaer has finally got a top player I know and Pogba might stay. Yeah, we could talk about Pogba wanting to stay, but equally, if Pogba wants to move, he's got to show that he's he's got to show to other clubs that it's worth 
in, investing in that move because I think in the previous few years, you know, he constantly got linked with Real Madrid and Juventus, but there was never a concrete offer from any of those teams. And I think because they looked at his performances and his attitude, and then he's like, is it worth, is this worth worth the hassle, the amount of money it's going to cost dealing with his agent? Is, is that going to be worth the hassle? And they probably looked at it and said no. So if he wants to continue playing at a level that clearly befits his talent, then he needs to start showing it consistently. And he's finally started doing that this season. Um, and I'm quite pleased at how quickly he's got up to speed as well, because in the past when he's got injured, he's not always got up to speed that quickly. Just gives a much better balance in the midfield, I feel, because it's someone from a deeper role that can dictate the game a little bit more and and just take some pressure off Fernandez and Rashford because he's always looking. You know, when Pogba gets the ball, there's suddenly more players making runs off the ball and opening up other teams, and you could see that in the game on Sunday. Before we move on, um, looking at the results elsewhere in the league this season, a lot went in our favour and I think we can start to speak about second place in confident fashion. Top four is in the bag. Top four is in the bag and it probably allows for for Solskjaer to kind of start to focus on this trophy that we need to win, the Europa League. And that's what we're going to get on to with the the Granada game. That should be a, a walk in the park with three big suspensions, but they didn't show Atten in the first leg to, to think, for me to feel that we should be anyway concerned. Um but 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 the league form, second place, you think it's in the bag, Mike, or, or are you still a bit uncertain with Leicester looping in the background? Well, I've I've learned this season not to take anything for granted. So um I think United need to keep their focus and just always assume that one slip up and you've let other teams back in the you know back in the door again. But I thought Leicester um losing at the weekend I thought was a was a really really good result for us. I think Chelsea are just a little bit too far away to really catch. I think Leicester are only the realistically the only team that would have overhauled us into second place, and um, I just think that was extremely important for United to take advantage of that defeat and then just increase the gap and increase the gap from them as well to the team in fifth and really just cement that place and obviously aim for a much higher points total than last season. The seven games to go. Um, I think we're not far off our final points total from last season, if I can remember rightly. So I think if we can, you know, use these last seven games to really rack up some points, we could um, go over 70 points this year. Maybe it for go for 75. That would be what I'd be looking for anyway. Do you, do you think Mourinho would still see it as, Man- as one of his greatest achievements, finishing second with United? If um, Soldier goes and does the same thing, the, the thing is, though, you you have to take everything he says with a pinch of salt, um, yeah. Mourinho, especially especially over the last eight, really ever since even when he was at Inter and he was constantly war with the media at Inter. Um, he, he's because he says, you know, I've made a comparison with him and Donald Trump before. It was somebody who's just constantly saying outrageous stuff. Um, and putting yourself front and centre of the news, that it's really hard to, to 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 understand when he's being serious and when he's just being facetious as a distraction. Yeah, and just looking at the table too, I know people can be critical of Solskjaer, but like, and I keep saying, it, I I, th- I think he deserves credit. You look at the table right now; we're second in the table 
everyone knew before the season began that we were miles off City, okay? That was accepted. It was accepted before the season started, and it probably accepted now. We have a lot of work to do to catch City. And as things stand, we're 11 points off them with a game in hand. Well, you know, I'm just looking at... Uh, sorry, Dale. Can I just compare this to where we did last season? So after yeah. 38 games, you got 66 points. We're already yeah. on 63. We've got seven games to go. Last season, we won 18 games. This season, we've already won 18 games. Um, and we've only lost four this season, whereas last season, we lost eight. And I think, bar a, a rather extraordinary collapse, which I don't think will happen, I think I could see United winning at least five of the last seven games. Um then United will be comfortably miles ahead of the points total last season. I think that that was key. You could talk about last season, oh, we got in the top four, but the points, I think that there was there was very little difference in the points total of that season and the season before. I think this season, getting a lot more wins on the board, getting less defeats, less draws, getting a lot more points on the board while increasing your position in the table, that's a difference. That, I think, is a real marker of progress than what you saw last season. And of course, too, we also want the Europa League. Um, the Europa League is still there to play for. Very much in the have a foot in the second and the sorry, the semi-finals after beating Granada 2-0. But is there was there anything from that first leg, Mike, that made, made you think that with the three suspensions going into the second leg, you've McTominay out, you have Maguire out, and you have Shaw out. They're three three key players, especially Shaw at the moment and Maguire. Any reason for concern whatsoever that we might not get the result we need? Because uh, the reason I'm asking, I don't expect us to, to throw it away, but I did not expect us to throw it away in the Champions League group stages either, and we did. Yeah, as I said earlier when you asked me about having second place, so I've never taken anything for granted. I think if you look at the suspensions, McTominay's a blow, but it's not a disastrous blow. I think that's something that United can weather have in his absence. Uh, especially with Pogba back, which will make a big difference for us. When I expect United are going to have more of the ball, um, so that should be okay. I think Alex Telles not as good as Shaw, but he's proven a good able deputy. I think um, so. I'm, I'm, I've got no worries about him there. Um, and in terms of Maguire, I mean, obviously, I've been very critical, critical of Maguire, overly critical, really, because I think because of the fee that we paid for him. Um, but he's by no means perfect, but he has been generally pretty good this season. But I think Eric Bailly coming in, I think we've we've spoke about many times that Lindelof and Maguire don't really mesh together very well because they their strengths don't complement each other's weaknesses. Well, obviously, with Bailly, that's not quite the same because of his physicality and his athleticism and his pace complement quite well with Lindelof. So we should be okay. Granted, they're not a bad side, but they are a team at a 7th or 8th, I think it is, in La Liga, in what is not a particularly uh, strong vintage this season in La Liga, I think it's fair to say. So, no, I'm not I'm not hugely worried, but obviously I'm not taking it for granted. Just on Eric Bailly, and right now there's a lot of stuff being said about his future, and I just wanted to get your, your opinion, Mike, on whether you think he should sign a new deal at Manchester United, because... There's been rumours that he doesn't feel the appreciation that he would probably get elsewhere. He'd probably be a starter elsewhere. And also, the big thing is that Manchester United needs a centre-back this summer. So if they sign a centre-back this summer, that's going to push Bali further down the pecking order. And, and something that people need to be very wary of, too, going into this transfer market, with the financial restraints of COVID-19 and so on, is that 
clubs don't are not going to have as many players on high wages that aren't playing. That has to change. Manchester United will have to start selling players who are on big money and are not playing football because they're taking too much money away from the club. And then they can hopefully sell those players and get better players in. But with Bali, do, do you, where do you see his future lying? Because it doesn't sound like he, he's too happy at the moment. And, and he's not playing the football to make him happy. Uh, no. And obviously he's, he's going to be at an age now where he wants to play regular football, which is understandable. Um, and also admirable. He's not happy just sitting there and picking up a paycheck. You know, if if he would rather like Sergio go Romero. Else, yeah. So that's that's admirable. Now, obviously, with certain restraints, I think United maybe will still make one or two big signings this summer, but I think maybe not the three or four instant first-team regulars that maybe they would have looked to have done in normal circumstances. So then you're talking about buys that future then is related to where where is it United need to prioritise those signings that of players that will go straight into the first 11. I think central midfield is priority number one. Getting a defensive midfielder is something that you've mentioned before and I've really come around to that view as well. The more that time has gone on and watching United's midfield this season, they need someone in there, definitely. Um, irrespective of what happens with Paul Pogba, they need to go and buy that player. And then you're looking at, well, where's the second priority? I probably then would look to centre-half. I know that might seem quite negative that I've said, well, reinforce centre midfield and centre-back. But if you reinforce those positions, it will just ease the pressure a little bit on the attacking players. And I think, while it won't be perfect, if United could just persuade Cavani to stick around for one more year, that might just give us a little bit of breathing room to then get somebody else in. I agree the year after because I think when you talk about priorities you go centre midfield centre half either a right sided attacking fullback or a right sided winger a right sided midfield player forward and then and then a centre forward would be at the end of that so all this talk people talking about Kane and Haaland and I'm like whoa 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 that cannot be a priority especially for the wages they're talking about with Haaland let's be really? looking at what you don't want you don't want Kane well, it depends. It, the, the problem with Kane is the contract that he's on, which is still fairly long term. Yeah. The the business of getting him out of of Spurs and the clutches of um, the Dark Dealing. Lord Daniel Levy, um, that's going to be a very messy business. Which you know, I understand why Levy does that. He wants to make it difficult for rival teams to come in and buy his club's players as well. He should be doing. Um, so that that that's an issue with that. Obviously, if the opportunity presented itself, I wouldn't say United shouldn't sign him. Of course, they should. But I just think they need to be prioritising other areas of the field rather than doing what we did with last summer, where we were getting caught up in this whole Jaden Sancho nonsense when there was never any realistic prospects of us signing him because Dortmund were never going to budge on that fee. And what they should have then done is look to go, well, where else do we need to strengthen right now? And they didn't do that and they wasted time. And we ended up with this all these last-minute bits and pieces of business and players that weren't ready to come into the first team. And it was a bit of a mess in the end. So they need to be avoiding that because otherwise, you know, I think we're going to be having, we could end up having another start to the season like the one that we had this time and scratching our heads. Wait, wait, see, and maybe is, it wouldn't be as easy to come back from that. I think eyes are very much on, you have Marto now, you have Woodward, you have the, bo- the whole board because I don't think Solskjaer could have done much better this season. I really don't look at the league. Okay, we're still in for a cup. We could win a cup this season. If he wins a cup, I'd be very, very happy. And he's definitely done enough for the board to back him. 
100%. And we're in a difficult situation now, like I said, with COVID. But that's not an excuse. It really isn't because we've, we've, we've apparently got this new structure in place. This new fantastic, shiny structure. Let's see it in action because football is not just, not just black and white in the sense that, oh, I want this player, so I've got to pay $60 million for him. Oh, we haven't got the money, so we're going to not do anything. No, it doesn't have to work with that. United, United are in a really good position as well, by the way. you got Jesse Lingard, who a number of clubs are going to want to sign this summer. Okay, You've got a number of players there that I think you could do negotiations with. You've got Eric Bali. There's a number of players that would take him. A number of players, that, or clubs, sorry, that would take him. You've also got Anthony Martial. And I think with clever negotiations this summer, United can use excuses that the money is not there because they can make money. They have to start trimming some of the squad and getting in better players. Anthony Martial is one of them. He's not good enough. He's not consistent enough. He's just not good enough. And, and, and he saw, he's a player who I'm sure is on a big wage. He's also a player that would get a lot of attraction. So why don't Manchester United get on the phones of Rissy Dortmund and say, here's 70 million or 60 million, whatever, and Anthony Martial, and we'll take Haaland. Something like that would probably appeal to Rissy Dortmund because they're going to get a good player in return and a young player. And I just think it, 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 it is not a summer for not spending money just because we have restrictions and blah, blah, blah. This is a summer for clever negotiations. And it would be totally unacceptable if Man United not to have a good summer. Totally, because... Well, they, they need to be starting now. Yeah. They can't, be, it, but, can't but, be waiting around for the season to end. They can't be waiting around for the European Championships. United needs to get this business done early. If they know what players they want to get, they need to start getting them done now. Because I can almost guarantee, if they're playing in the European Championships, I bet you their price goes up. Yeah, of course. And like, Mike, when was the last time? I don't remember. I don't actually don't remember a time in recent years. When was the last time for you that you can recall Manchester United going into a transfer market and thinking, well, there's a few players there that we could sell? Because it's always, it's, it's pretty much always the way that the players in which we want to sell, probably Phil Jones and that, that no one wants because they're on such high wages already. No one's going to match that. But finally, We've got a few players, and I think it's an opportunity to make the most of people asking, should Jesse Lingard come back to Manchester United? It's a lovely, beautiful, romantic idea. Absolutely fantastic, but nah, no. It's just an opportunity now to make some dough, make some money, and to reinvest it back into the team. Because, and the reason we have to do this smartly, is because the Glazers won't do it. The Glazers are not going to put money into Manchester United. Never have, never will. They don't care. Don't care. So we have to then make sure that we've got the right football people in charge. Hopefully that's John Murtaugh, will time will tell. And hopefully he knows what to do with the negotiation table when people come looking for, for Jesse Lingard. Look, there's so many opportunities. Jesse, you want Jesse Lingard, West Ham? Irrespective of, of who the owners are and whether they invest or not, United for, for quite a while have needed to be a lot smarter in how they operate and turning on yes. their players. Real Madrid are a very uh, traditionally been a good example over the last decade of how to sell well. You know, just be a lot smarter with scouting and recruitment, and understand that most players will not be at one club for for ten years plus. That just won't happen. So, kind of always prepare for these three to five year cycles of players coming in and out. With maybe keeping a core of a handful of players um, who who will be around longer. Um, so yeah, so moving on and, and getting into a little bit about Granada 
um, back to Granada again. And and I suppose our hopes in the Europa League. With a 2-0 advantage, Mike, like I said, we should have no problems. They didn't look like they're going to cause us too many problems. It was They were dirty enough, to be honest. They were dirty enough sides so we can expect out of a physical battle. Is there any players, say fringe players, with the three suspensions that you think could come in now with this opportunity and to maybe stake a claim to play in the semi-finals of the Europa League and even better the final? You know, Maguire out, Shaw out. We, you've already mentioned that Tellez will be coming in. But who do you reckon will be a centre-back instead of Maguire? Because Eric Bally is obviously the, the COVID-19 negative te- or pa- positive test that he failed. Um, and also McTominay. Could Donny van der Beek come in? It would be an opportunity. Um, it would be interesting to see how the... The figures if van der Beek was going to come in, then that means one of Pogba or, or Fernandes wouldn't play because otherwise that's a very odd balance you've got in the midfield there. Um well, if, if Bailly can't play, would you be looking at Twanzibi then coming in at centre-half Is he, if he's fit? Yeah, um, he travelled to, to Spain last week as well. Yeah, well, he needs to start showing something, Dale, because he's 24 years old now, so he's kind of at an age where if he's not kicking on soon at United, then United needs to be moving in on and getting some money in for him, um, look, which Mike, is not, not what you want to see, but you have to be... You have to be Solskjaer has to be relatively quite ruthless about... He has to be quite ruthless about this, really, Um if he if he thinks, you know what, this just isn't working, then he needs to get he he needs to get people moved on. And he needs to make it clear to the people who he's working with in terms of uh Myrto and, and Fletcher and Matt Judge and Edward Wood, look, we need to get these guys moved on. Let's get some capital back into the club that we can then reinvest in other players uh and and, and create a stronger squad that I can rely on a bit more and rotate a bit more and not be fearing of dropping bad results or points. No, absolutely. And moving on, we have we have some questions as well. Um, we've got 77 likes on Facebook for this live video. So let's get another 20, 27 to get to 100. Um, that, that's our aim. Wait, so, how, many, how many likes? 77? That'd be 23 likes. 23, sorry. 23 likes. There's my maths. Fucking <laughs> typical day with his maths. But yeah, look, let's get us to 100, 100 likes, 100 love hearts, or whatever you want to give. Drop them in. Um, we're going to jump to some Facebook questions now. So, if you have any questions in the chat, make sure you, you throw them in. Um, right, there's some more there. Dylan Donnelly is after asking, Big Mike with a fresh trim. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dale needs to get himself to Cavani. See, D- Dylan, who writes for Strike News, is actually a barber, so I need to start something out there, but we're not breaking any COVID restrictions. Not in this house. Can you still not get your hair? Can you still not get your haircut there? Look. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's the answer. Um, so, so Matt Henderson asks, this is a good question. I wanted to get onto this because I actually kind of puzzled on the answer myself. Where will Greenwood end up playing? Sean, he came effective through the middle and out wide. I want him to kick on through the middle myself. Um, where is the future for Greenwood? Because when, when I suppose this kind of start to get the ball rolling on this, when you put him beside Anthony Martial and, and Marcus Rashford, for me, he's a centre forward. He out, out of the three of them, he's definitely a centre forward. And I can see that's the way he'll go. But with so many young forwards, Mike, they kind of learn their trade, don't they? By getting into the first team, by playing in these kind of wide positions or in the pockets. And then, because it's usually the case, someone like Cavani's up front. You know, then they learn from that. Yeah, and and I, he, it, 
he actually works well on the right with Cavani through the middle, as you saw in that game. Um, it's, I mean, I think in the long run, I mean, Greenwood could play anywhere across that line wherever he wanted. I think in terms of, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as because it's hard to say, but he does have many similar attributes to Cristiano Ronaldo. He's a genuinely ambidextrous player. You look at the, at the second and the third goal against Spurs, the cross that he put in was a lovely little weighted cross for Cavani for the goal. That was off his left foot. And then the finish for his goal was on his right foot. So you could see there what he's capable of, and he's very difficult to defend against. So he could be enormously effective. In, in the long run, I think he will end up playing through the middle because of, of what he can do. Um, but at the moment, I think play, him playing on the right just maybe ease a little bit of the pressure off him, if that makes sense. But you could see now physically, in terms of his, his build, he can play through the middle. But... Let's just ease a little bit of the pressure off him. He's had a difficult first two thirds of the season, and now you just see him starting to click back into gear again. And now he's just, playing regularly again as well. Am I am I right in saying I haven't got this stat in front of me that he scored in the last three games? Which which like at the beginning of the season we were saying he wasn't scoring enough, and like this is again pretty good man management because it, he was a very promising player last season who everyone was excited about but when he had that difficult stage at the beginning of the year soldiers took him out of the team basically we didn't see him for ages we didn't see greenwood for a while and now he's been eased back in hitting the ground running all these little things um they all need to be noted and, and like, like that question was asked matt um fabiola has brought us back to the Mourinho. Um, Mourinho topic and given his record on playing young players how bad was that Jose comment about feeding his son and all that and do you think he hates kids I think Jose Mourinho hates everybody but himself um, to be quite honest does he hate kids I wouldn't, I wouldn't he's believe a narcissist he's, yeah, he's a, a complete narcissist. narcissist complete narcissist Damien Young asks does Ollie's son like pineapple on his pizza <laughs> That must be the reason why he doesn't feed him. Um, <laughs> Fabiola comes in again with a tuna leaf versus Granada. Should Ali play the kids, mix it with a bit of Shola, Ahmad, Hannibal, Alenga, and Galbraith? I'd give Alexa a chance as well. Now, in I, fairness, would, I wouldn't play too many. I wouldn't no. play too many of the, the kids in this game. Maybe Ahmad. I think you could play Ahmad because I think he showed he's he showed he's got something, even though he's so young. And this would be. It's a slightly lower pressure situation, a lower intensity match for him to play in in terms of the pace isn't going to be as high. So that's really good. And by the way, back to Greenwood quickly. It is three three domestic games he's scored in a row now. And he's also got five assists this season, which for considering he's not played a lot, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good return. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, it's impressive. And it, 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 we can't forget his age, Mike. We can't... If, if, you can't forget this player is still growing. Um, where he's going to be in two years, I'm really excited about that. And I know everyone at the moment, the, the, the sites are on Erling Haaland, and, and that's that's everyone's kind of um, top. That's that's the player everyone wants this summer. And it, it's what annoys me is that a club like Manchester United, the biggest club in the world, a club that I grew up supporting and following. I remember when when a player like Erling Haaland was available. We were in the picture for him. That we were in the picture for a player like that, and I just don't feel I don't think we have a chance to sign him this summer. I think we we'll probably sniff around Harry Kane, but as you touched on, the 
to get that deal done is just seems far fetched to me at the moment. When... Yeah, I, I, I personally think in the long run, I think the player United should actually look at if they can just keep Cavani and give themselves a breathing room for the next few years, is Jao Felix. I think that's who United should be should be looking at signing for a forward. Very good. Very good. So yeah, Mike, thanks for joining me. Can I get a quick prediction for the second leg against Granada? Uh, 2-0 United. So I'm going to go 3-1 United. 3-1 United on Thursday night. Um, Thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.